All right, here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. Uh, pop culture, movies, TV for Generation X and beyond. And beyond. Uh, today's uh, podcast is going to be about a little TV show I like to call Three's Company. Not Three's a Crowd, sweetie. Play the music, babe. Um, well, I am going to play the music here, and I might play a few different versions of it. So right. here's version number one. You ready? Yes. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are hers and hers and his. Three's company too. Come and dance on our. All right. So before we even talk about this, that's the theme song <laughs> I remember. Correct. Right? That was but, that was the early theme song. Yeah. So when I think of the theme song, that's the one I think of. Yes. Now here's a. I guess a jazzier version of Let's it. Let's hear it. Pretty much the same thing, but a little different. Huh. Come and knock on our door. Do you so, hear it or no? I hear it. I think this was when Terry came along. I don't know what year this is, but they do have like n- different versions that basically sound almost exactly the like same. Like updated. Updated, and then they remember in the intros they had you know the the early ones. It was Jack on the beach, and he's riding his bike, and and then he falls he off falls his off. bike because he's looking at a girl. But then they go to the zoo. That's when Terry comes along. Yeah, is that okay? But I think so there's it, like it a, was a change in. So the first song is that's the original, and that's when Chrissy was in, and then they just when Cindy came in, they just like kind of put her in the original. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just made like an extra for her. And then they completely started over when Terry joined the show. They did a whole new beginning of them at the zoo. And we're going to get into all of that at the end. So Mike, before I want to talk about our history with the show individually, because you and I, you were in DeKalb, Illinois. I was in Chicago, Illinois. Uh Probably both watching channel, was it channel seven? Uh Uh-huh. ABC. ABC channel Mm -hmm. seven, Tuesday nights. Yeah. I don't know what was before it. I don't know what was after it. I think Three's Company was the eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Any rip, any memory of what was on either Ooh. side of the show? I don't know. Why don't you start talking about your experience with Three's Company and I'll see if I can find it. Well, I just want to say I have a lot of things on my to-do list right now. And for some reason, I woke up this morning because we're kind of on a little bit of a roll with pop culturing. Uh-huh. And we did Grease and we just did Hangover. And now we're doing... And I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like searching YouTube clips on Three's Company. So although I have this like laundry list of important things I need to do, I'm partially proud and partially embarrassed of the fact that <laughs> I'm researching this show, which I loved, and now I think all I would do is make fun of. Well, I think it's because it brings us back to all these movies we do. I mean, The Hangover is obviously more, you know, it was in the last 20 years or whatever. But going back to these shows and these movies just make us kind of remember a time. And it's it's very nostalgic and it feels good. And so, Todd, listen to this. Yeah. Tuesday night, Happy Days. Oh, wow. Laverne and Shirley. Strong. Three's Company. Yeah. And there are three people here who are saying, I can't remember for the life of me what came on after that. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to bet. Oh, so there was one time... When people say taxi was on, that afterwards. sounds right. That's a, that's what I call must see TV, sweetie. Right. 
Um, so just so everybody knows, Three's Company is a show that started in 1977, I think. Okay. And we did Grease uh, pop culture, and that was in 1978. So this even started before Grease. Um, so yeah, so I, I think my I don't have much of a history other than I remember liking it. I thought Jack was hilarious. I was a young boy who was attracted to Christmas snow. Uh, you were? Yeah. Blonde, beautiful body. Okay. Not so much Janet. Really? Uh, yeah, not. I'm gonna go ahead. And... Oh, come on, Joyce Duet's gorgeous. Um, yeah. I mean, they. She was the the. She was the straight, counter argument the for yeah, but yeah. I really, I mean, it, put it this way, Todd. I think the thing is when people are on TV and you put them up against other people on TV. But if you were walking down the She's street and you saw Joyce Dewitt, you would be like, "Oh my There's gosh!" No doubt about it. It's just the way that they, the character she played, was just as you said, she was the. And I'm sure we're going to talk character. about all this, and there's going to be no rhyme or reason or very little structure in this show. But I will tell you, in my research, Joyce Dewitt was not a fan of the fame. Whereas mm-hmm. I think uh, John Ritter and Suzanne Summers were much more into everything that came with being on a hit show. Interesting. So what is your experience with this TV show? Um, my experience with this TV show, it brings a smile to my face because it's always been one of my favorite shows. And it's so weird. Like, what I mean, it's weird. It's like, why? I mean, it's such a Gen X show. Like, we, not only was it on this, like, must-see lineup, you know, of shows where we were watching. <laughs> is it okay if I just randomly play that? <laughs> But I, to me, it was like the early versions of what comfort TV was to me. And it was that I knew these characters. I knew, even without knowing the plot, I knew the plot. Mm -hmm. I knew how this was going to go down. I knew how people were going to react. And I felt very separate from them. Like it wasn't something where I was like worried about people. Um, You know, my, the empathy that sometimes we can lay on characters. I didn't really have that. They could handle themselves. Um, I don't remember really laughing out loud at this show. It just was. You laughed out loud. Did I? Uh, Probably to all the physical comedy that Jack, John Ritter is apparently a genius of. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll talk about John Ritter. There's a lot to say. I will say that. Why it's important to me is not only did I watch it in childhood, but then it once it became syndicated, it was on all the time. So it was for all of you who are much younger than us who watch Friends syndicated, that was what Three's Company was for us. It yeah. was on everywhere. It was on all the time. You didn't matter what episode it was. And so to me, it's comfort food. And then, you know, when I was um, out of college – um, I think I was like 23, 24, we had a Halloween party and we dressed up as Three's Company. My friend Laura was Jack. Do Jessica you have was... any pictures to prove it? No, and I wish I did. I mean, I could, you know, Jess and Laura can tell you. And I saw you that night, so you saw me. What was I dressed as? Um, you were dressed as... Um, Superman? A, a Superman. Yeah. Yeah. You were Superman. We had a, we you had broken your su- leg. Superheroes. Yeah. Superman with a broken leg. Was that the same when Mike Ross was in the bear? Was in the he was either a garbage, garbage can, can or he had a big, huge gargantuan pumpkin on his head. Because that's the night I know we saw you. So yeah. anyway, we ran into you. But I, I mean, I, and I was Janet. So when I, when you say she wasn't attractive, sweetie, Todd, you hello. are you are much better than Janet. <laughs> Thank you, Janet Wood. The so flor- the florist. I love you know Janet, and then Jessica was Chrissy, and so just that alone that we're like. 
like, well, let's do a Halloween costume. We'll dress up like Three's Company. Like, you know, everybody our age will know who you are. And and something that is, you know, I was kind of looking through some of the history of Three's Company and just kind of rereading. And, you know, there's so many TV shows that reference Three's Company. Like, there's just an understanding of we know what the plot's going to be. We understand who the characters are and we can just use them as a joke. And then I was in Galena about three weeks ago, just I went by myself. I was just going to do some writing and do some work. And uh oh, I turned on TV and there was a Three's Company marathon on like. <laughs> and, and I just kept it on for Why not? like eight hours. Like I just, and I didn't always have the sound on, but I'm like comfort food. There's my people. And you know, the one episode, I mean, we'll get, we'll get deep into this, but the one episode that always made me really sad Uh-oh. was the first one that Terry oh, is introduced. Do yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah, about? I remember it. Yeah. It made me really sad. Like it's hard to watch that. Um, that scene. Not um, so comfortable. Not so comfortable. Do you want me to tell that now? No, or are we no, going? no. Okay. So Kathy okay. and I have... Whenever we record these pop culturing <laughs> things, we really don't have much of a idea so of how what? the show is going to go. What do you mean? We don't like plan out, oh, first we're going to talk about this and then we're going to talk about that. Oh, we don't you like mean this show. For, okay. Yeah, pop okay. culturing. Okay. We don't have much of a plan. So Dude, this got is, a plan. So this is what I think. I want to like talk about the big picture of um, Three's Company. Okay. You know, how it showed up in society and why it works and why it doesn't work now in 2023. Okay. And then maybe we'll just rip through all of the characters. Well, I wanted you to do um, uh, like categories. That's okay. what I wanted you to do. I know, but my categories are like what happens next <laughs> and uh, best scene. Like it doesn't uh, work okay. for TV shows. It doesn't work shows. for TV show? Okay. Um, so yeah, the categories don't really work that well. Okay. Well, then this. go in the other direction. So um, so the big picture, my my take on the big picture of this is it was weird. It's 1977 okay. where there was probably more fear of gay people and homophobia and all that stuff back then. So it was probably a little, not Norman Lear important, but like ahead of its time, normalized itself mm-hmm. a little bit like, oh, gay people exist and mm-hmm. they're no different than the rest of us. And yet it was the time when it was still the butt of the joke. And it mm-hmm. was the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And then the only other thing that I thought of as I was kind of getting ready for this podcast was I used to be a landlord. And mm-hmm. just the idea, the whole show is based on Jack has to pretend he's gay uh-huh. so that Mr. Roper doesn't think that there's an orgy going on upstairs. Yeah. So so can I like back sure, up even more? Please. So just to like the pilot of Three's Company, and it was actually based on a British show, I think called Man of the House or something mm-hmm. like that. So it was like not an original idea. So the pilot is that um, Chrissy and Janet live in this apartment with their friend Eleanor and they have a going away party for Eleanor. And during that party, Jack is obviously there and he falls asleep in the bathtub. And so when um, Chrissy and uh, Janet wake up in the morning, they go in the bathroom, there's a man in their bathtub. Well, they get talking to him and they figure out that maybe he could be our third roommate since Eleanor left. So apparently Janet and Chrissy didn't think too far ahead about, hey, there's going to be a vacant bedroom. They're thinking about it the day after she moves out. Well, and let's even just talk about that. That apartment has two bedrooms. So Chrissy and Janet share a bedroom. Oh, yeah. And then Jack has his own bedroom. Yeah, because he's a man. So, but but Eleanor had the bedroom before him. Like, why do those, why, and again, I think it's because of money. The three of them are always 
trying to find money, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a big plot point of Three's company is they're always broke. Yeah. Um, but he moves in and then the, as you said, you got to the Ropers. The Ropers are like, no, that could never happen. And then they, and Janet is the one who tells Mr. Roper he's gay. Yeah, everything's fine because he's gay. Yes, exactly. And so then he's like, oh, okay. So the butt of every joke then is on Jack being gay. Yeah. And Mr. Roper always has commentary or he always does something with his finger. Yes. Or, you know, there's always this thing. And, but, uh, sorry, but skip to the next episode. The second episode, Mrs. Furley, not Mrs. Furley, <laughs> sorry. There's no RF Mrs. didn't Furley. have a wife. Mrs. Roper knows Jack's not gay. Right. She figures out Right away. Do they tell her or does she just know? I I don't remember, but I just know that she, we were discussing this this morning, she is on the side with the kids. Like she, she's always on the side. She's always with them. And it's funny that we're calling them kids. Yeah. Didn't you think like when you were a kid and you were watching Three's Company, how old did you think they were? I have no idea, but they were adults. They were old people. Yeah. To me, they seemed old. And I think they were portraying characters as if they were in their early 20s, but most of them were in their late 20s, early 30s of as far as how old John Ritter was and um, what's her name? What's Janet's? Uh, Joyce DeWitt. Joyce DeWitt. Mm-hmm. I think they were all like late 20s, early 30s. So they're okay. playing somebody a little bit earlier. Than Great. That. But here's my other thing is um, I used to be a landlord and I don't know what the discrimination laws were back then. Right. But you can rest assured in when I was a landlord, whatever, three years ago, we were not allowed to say, oh, um, you know, you're not allowed to be here because... there's boys and girls here or there's boys and girls who practice different they're either straight or they're they're gay or they're bi or whatever so it's just hilarious that like we're all like oh yeah of course mr roper gets to decide whether or not they get to live in this apartment because that's not the way it's supposed to work well it was kind of before a time that we were so litigious like people you know like the the like the Ropers run that building. Do they own that building or do they just manage that building? I think they manage it. I don't think okay. they, I don't think he owns it, but, or they own it, but I'm not sure. When Mr. Furley takes over, his brother Bart owns Oh, the we're going to talk about his brother Bart. <laughs> and Mr. Furley is just managing it. Yeah. And of course, when they transition from the Ropers to Mr. Furley, he also, mm-hmm. he's like, Bart would never go for, you know, yeah. having. He a, was always scared of brother Bart. He was always scared. So yeah, it was the thing, you know, something that I was just reading was that in this year, in the in the late seventies, the three most controversial shows. Do you want to guess what they were? The first one was Three's Company. Really? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What is the category of the seventies? You the, said yes. Set late seventies, the three most controversial shows. I don't know. So Three's Company, yeah. and and of course it is because there's so much sexual innuendo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously talking about sexuality. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of sex, there's so much yeah. that is sexual. Yep. Um, the second one, you you know, um, you used to watch it, uh, Billy Crystal. Soap. Soap, yeah. okay. Which, similarly, soap was kind of a takeoff of soap operas, but Billy Crystal's character was gay, and so that was, you know, yeah. I never watched this. Did you watch it? Yes. Wasn't Benson in this? Actually, there is a character in Soap that the name I loved, and I wanted to name JC that name. Oh my God! What is the girl's name? Was it Justine? Oh, and the the guy from Three's a Crowd is in so. Yes, he is. I didn't know that. Yes. Um. So anyway, the and, and then the, the third, third one? one was Charlie's Angels. Oh yeah, forget about it. Yeah. Um. So they were, and that was just probably controversial because it was 
girls. <laughs> I don't even really know, to be honest they with you. They called it Jiggle TV, sweetie. I learned that oh, in research today. Jiggle TV, That's huh? That's right. Um, I have to look up what this girl's name was because... I get um, Farrah Fawcett and Suzanne Summers mixed up sometimes in, in as far as how long they were on each of the shows. Yeah. Because I thought Suzanne Summers was only on for a season or two, but she was in it for like half of the series. Yes. Which I did not know. Yes. Um, oh, and just so I can say this, the name that I loved on Soap was there's a character named Corinne, oh. and I wanted to name one of our kids Corinne, but you you did not like did that, that name. Well, I had a friend named Corinne in high school, and... I didn't want to think about her when I named my kid. If I said Corinne, then you yeah. would automatically think of her. So anyway, so yeah, so they were just kind of um, a, you know, let's think about that time period. Like, let's go deep into the late 70s. Like, we're obviously, we're coming out of the 60s. That era was a very, like, drug-induced, yeah. free sexuality, um, you know, kind of an opening for our country as far as talking about things. Um, when did... When did Nixon leave office? What year was that? Uh, I don't know, 74 maybe? Okay, so you're so it's several years later, but it's like you can kind of feel the shift. It's They're culture-shifting shows, sure. right? You know, just the fact that that's on at 8 o'clock. Like, Happy Days um, it was, was still the 50s, right? Yep. They were trying to, like, kind of, you know, feed back to that, and Laverne and Shirley was an offshoot of that. And Three's Company was, like, now, yep. you know? And so... Um, I, you know, I get it, Yeah. but I also feel like that was for us. And, and I don't like, obviously we were watching it. Let's see, we were seven or eight years old. And 1977, we, I was five, you yeah. were six. But I think, and I did watch it when it was on, you know, regular TV, but I, for me, my deep relationship is syndication yeah. with, you know, cause I was watching it you know, when I was a teenager. So just to bring you back, what was going on in 1977 in the world? Star Wars opened. Okay, Star Wars. First Apple II computer went on sale. Okay. TV miniseries Roots is aired. Sure. First commercial flight Concorde. I I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Elvis Presley died. Ah. Guess how old he was. Oh, gosh, I feel like I should know that. I feel like a bad rock and roller not knowing that. Um, 50-something? 42. Oh, Isn't that boy. weird? Elvis died at 42. Yeah, that, I should know that. He he looked older when he was... He well, didn't look he so good. he was a little bloated. You know, you've, you haven't watched the Elvis movie, by the no, way. No, I will, I will. Which is a problem. I know, I know. Yeah. Roman Polanski is arrested and charged. But then flees the country. And then gets and honored has come at back. all these award shows. He won from his... an Academy Award for the piano, and people gave him a standing ovation. <sighs> Yikes. Uh, and then lastly, the New York City blackout lasted for 25 hours. Oh, wait. Say that again? New York City had a blackout, no electricity. I think it was like really like 100 degrees and... That must have been so scary. Yeah. Oh, I think think there's a lot of crime. Like I think a lot of bad stuff went down. Yeah. I just think about if like all of Chicago, you know, went down. Yeah. Well, especially at nighttime. I know. Yikes. Um, So that's what was going on in 1977. Okay. So that was kind of where we were in the culture. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm looking at something because I wanted to make sure that I said the right movie that he won the Academy Award for, Roman Polanski. Oh boy. I'm sorry. I just, I... Why don't you just say you think and then let's move on. Because I want to know if I'm right. He did a lot of movies. Jeez. And how did he do all these movies? He must have just done them from... Maybe they shot somewhere outside the U.S. The Pianist. 
Yeah. Not that, the piano was Holly Hunter oh. um, and Anna Paquin. I oh. knew I was wrong. Okay. So that's setting the tone for our culture. That's mm-hmm. what was going on in the world. And then, you know, and again, I, I just kind of feel like um, it was controversial, yet it, it you know, it's controversial in some, in all the innuendo, but the truth was it wasn't very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like the, the plot always ended the same way. And how would you describe, I, I, I wrote down a few words to describe what the humor of Three's Company was based okay, on. Okay. I'll say two things and I'm guessing they're on your list. <laughs> okay. Misunderstandings. Of course. And then physical comedy. Yeah. So people, you know, it's innuendo. Yeah. Misunderstandings. Physical comedy, it was, you know, it's a farce, right? They're all, they had all their harebrained schemes. Um, they'd get, try to get them, they'd get into these situations that they'd put themselves in and then they'd have to get out of them. The running jokes were based on um, Jack's supposed sexual orientation, Mr. Roper's lack of sexual prowess. Remember, Mrs. Roper always wanted to have sex. She was a horn dog. Yeah, and she didn't, he didn't want to. But was she a horn dog or just a, a woman who wanted to have sex with Compared her? to Mr. Roper, she was right. a horn dog. But it's like she was the, uh, I think in this day and age, would you call a woman who wants to have sex with her husband a horn dog? No. Right. So it's like comparing it to Mr. Roper. Exactly. Like that, that time. And then it was also about Chrissy's blonde moments. Um, You know, the, her blondness, I mean, it's, it's kind of the dumb blonde experience, right? Which that, that is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That was a stereotype. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. And she fulfilled that. That was what her, her um, character was all about. Are you ready for the first of maybe might be the only misunderstanding that we play here. Okay, let's hear it. So um, I'll describe the scene to you. Okay. Jack and Chrissy uh-huh. are in the bathroom hanging up, I think, a shower curtain or something. Okay. Mr. Oh, oh, yeah, I know exactly. Mr. I know the scene. Mr. Furley is can hear out. Them. can just hear them. Yeah. Let me rewind it just a little bit. Larry! i got to click this part. That's Lana. We love Lana. That's a different scene. Here's the new scene. Okay, Chrissy, I'll get in the tub with you, then we can get it on. (laughs) Get next to me, I'll show you what to do. (laughs) Mr. Furley's eyes are slowly getting bigger and bigger. This isn't exactly the first time I've ever done this. (laughs) Maybe so, but girls are better at this than boys. Chrissy, a little less talk and a little more action, okay? <laughs> okay, you do your part, I'll do mine. <laughs> I don't think it'll reach. <laughs> of course not, you've got to unfold it. First. <laughs> Here comes Janet. Hey. Furley, what are you doing? Never mind what I'm doing. What are they doing? Nothing. Oh, don't give me that. I heard rub-a-dub-dub come hop in my tub. I heard all of it. You heard all of what? What is going on in here? Yeah, I was just asking. How'd you get your clothes on so fast? Oh, RF. So that's one of many misses. Well, and here we are laughing. I don't think it'll reach. That was a funny line. (laughs) You have to unfold it. Yeah, you got to unfold it. (laughs) Um, Oh, and Don Knotts doing his best 
wide open oh eyes. yeah he's really good at that he he was a physical comedian as well mm-hmm. everything was about how he sh- you know his face because remember he'd do that face I do. Yeah. And he had that he had that snort too. He did. So here's the thing about the comedy of Three's Company. Everyone is kind of highly annoying. Yes. Like and this is what's so Except for one character. Oh, I, I wanna know who you think okay, let me guess. Larry. No, Larry's annoying is all Terry. Down. No, Terry's annoying. Janet. No, Janet's annoying. Um, don't let me um who? Mrs. Roper. You don't think Mrs. Roper's annoying? I think Mrs. Roper is by far the best character in this whole show. What? This is a hot take. She's she's hilarious. She's not annoying. Jack, I mean, we're going to get into this. Jack overacts half the time. Okay. Or we could call that being a physical comedian. Right. But he's just, uh, and we haven't even talked about how they keep acting through the ends, <laughs> through the credits and all <laughs> that. My favorite. It's my favorite. So let me say this about Jack before you move all on right. to Mrs. Furley. Mrs. Roper. Mrs. Roper. I'm sorry. I get them confused. Mrs. Roper, Kathy, Mrs. Roper, um, is that Jack, there are people, comedians, you know, again, of the next generation um, who have said he was their hero. You know what I mean? Like I, there are people who have said yeah. that he has been, his comedy was what inspired them to do comedy. Yeah. I keep, Sean Hayes keeps coming into my head as one of those people like hmm. that, you know, sitcom acting we think that, you know, oh, yeah, they do the same thing over and over again. But it's sitcom acting. You have to take it up a notch. Right. I mean, it has a level of theater and a level of um, soapiness to it that you have to rise to that occasion. Yeah. You know, like you have to be able to you are performing in front of a studio audience, sure. first of all. And so the the days I know there are some shows that still do studio audiences, but that's all we knew which was TV shows in front of a studio Except audience. Except for Happy Days. Happy Days started without the studio audience. They had the canned laughter and then they switched it over to the studio really? audience. And then the ratings went up and the show got better. I did not know that. Yes. So, you know, again, we were just very used to that. And you can't go out and just kind of do it. You can't just try and use your face. Like, you have to be able to exaggerate what you're doing. You know, it's not a movie. So I kind of give, not kind of, I give uh, John Ritter a ton of props. Yeah, I I do love John Ritter. Okay. It's just that Jack sometimes... He's an overactor. Anything else about Jack before we move on to... Well, I mean, there's so much. I mean, where do you want to start? Do you want to... Are we talking Jack or are we talking John Ritter? Uh, Let's talk um, Jack. Just the character of Jack. He has Jack's Bistro. Yeah, I have... He's a good cook. <laughs> so that's he likes he likes to girls. hit on women. Yes, he probably is really successful hitting on women. Doesn't he get of a course. lot of girls? Oh, absolutely! Everybody loves Jack. Um, he's poor. He never he's has poor. any money. Yep. Um, I don't know if I know any. He's, he has misunderstandings. He's good at misunderstandings. That's all I got on Jack. So what I loved about Jack is that the what they always um, kind of focused on with him is yes, he was always kind of uh, in trouble in some way, or he's always hitting on women and obviously very um, sexual in nature. But he was also a very good friend to the girls. He was very lovely and they loved him very much and he was very funny. You know, I remember having some confusion because there's a lot of um, episodes where he kisses Janet and Chrissy. Yeah. And, but it's not sexual. Mm -hmm. It's like love. It's like friendship love. And I remember being like, wow, is that what people do? Like that was interesting to me. Um, 
and he was a good man, you know, like he was good at heart, yeah. which is what they were always trying, how the show would always end up, you mm. know, like he would, if he did something wrong, he would feel bad. If he was, you know, if he hurt someone's feelings, he'd always come back and try and make them feel better. Um, so, you know, I just, as a character, he was warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's pivot over to John Ritter. Okay. Um, I think he's a nice guy. We'll probably get into some of the um problems that he and his fellow cat castmates had yeah, with each other mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't think he's a bad guy but i think he handled certain things pretty poorly oh really specifically with joyce dewitt mm -hmm. and i i don't know you know i think suzanne summers when she left the show she kind of left in a huff she actually sued yes she abc did. and mm -hmm. lost yeah um, well, let's talk about that. Sure. Like talk about something that is a time capsule as far as how things used to be done. Yes. And I know this is still happening now, of course. but John Ritter made a lot more money yep. than Joyce DeWitt and, um, you know, Suzanne Summers. And really, when you think about it, it's a three person show. Mm -hmm. Like even if he was the, the name or he's the one who's the, you know, the most, the humor he was in, he was in every episode. You ready? So I'll say that. You ready for my research? Okay. Let's the 1980, 81 season was very difficult for the cast and crew. Suzanne Summers demanded a huge salary increase and uh -huh. part ownership of the show she was following the advice of her actor husband alan hamill uh-huh i remember that alan hamill is? i don't know what he was in but i remember the whole thing when she was declined yeah uh she would often not show up to work yeah john redder and joyce dewitt then refused to work with summers any uh -huh. longer uh-huh so it sounds like it was jack and janet versus chrissy well, and they would have her, like, if they really needed Chrissy in the episode, they would have her be on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Her actor Chrissy was written out for the season except for a tag scene at the very end of each episode. In these scenes, Chrissy was visiting her family. Yeah. And she would call Jack and Janet on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so I, it sounds like Suzanne Summers probably was underpaid. Yes. I'm guessing Joyce DeWitt was drastically underpaid. Yes. I'm guessing John Ritter probably was paid handsomely. Well, and I mean, I, I don't know this, but... The whole idea of a cast being paid the same thing did not happen until the 90s. Right. That was a very Seinfeld, Friends, you know, when people... And I'm sure there were people before Suzanne Summers who tried to stand up for themselves and say, why am I getting paid this small amount of money compared to my co-stars? And she had every right. It was just not... The, the culture wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And so I think Suzanne Summers got a lot of the brunt and she may have been a pain. Like, who knows? There's a lot of things in here. But at the same time, um, if I was her, I'd be like, I mean, because she was a big draw. Like she, Chrissy Snow was, they all three were necessary. At least I felt they were. You know who else uh, um, fought for her right to get paid and then got fired? Who? Does this ring a bell? Yes. This would be Valerie. Yes. Yes. Life is such a sweet Jason Bateman's first. I knew you were going to say Jason Well, because I love Jason Bateman. I mean, it wasn't his first show. But I like no. Valerie's family, by the way. It was good. So it was Valerie. Then it was Valerie's family. Then it was the Hogan family. Yes. That was. So, so didn't she get... Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, her contract was not renewed because she Correct. tried to get paid. Yeah. And she had no leverage. Yeah. And they're like... It was weird because they called it, the show was called Valerie. And they're like, well, we'll just do the show, show without Valerie. You don't have leverage, right. Valerie, <laughs> title. <laughs> and, you know, it, and it's not, and that's the thing is like, we can look back and we may remember the stories like, oh, Valerie was so difficult to work with. Was she? No, because she or, could have been just standing up. 
with with honor. Right. And there and this is why people say, you know, what I'm doing now or what I'm capable of doing or the money I make now I stand on the shoulders of the people before me because there were there had to be people who went down with the ship, you mm-hmm. know, who like stood on principle and did not get what they wanted but caused such created a conversation that allowed things to change. And so those people, you know, sometimes the story that gets built around them in the press is not really true at all. Um, And then a few other things about John Ritter is I, he will always be for me a special actor because he was in one of my favorite movies of all time, Sling Blade. Mm -hmm. And that, that is such a gut wrenching, amazing movie. Mm -hmm. And he was like a big actor and he helped Billy Bob, make that movie because I'm sure he got paid nothing because it was an independent movie. Ironically, he played a gay character. And he paid, played a gay, mm-hmm. gay character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his son, Jason, was in we one, of, love Jason one of my favorite shows, Parenthood, right? Yes, yes, he was. And he's been in a lot of things. And Jason Ritter, the love of Jason Ritter has grown because he is married to Melanie Linsky, who is one of my favorite actresses. Oh, that's right. And she is in Yellow Jackets, which we all love. And he's going to be in Yellow Jackets this season. Um, is he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one last clip on somebody talking about uh, how John Ritter passed away. Okay. Ritter would fall ill while filming an episode of Eight Simple Rules on September 11th, 2003. It is said he was suffering from chest pain, nausea, and vomiting. He was taken to a hospital across the street from the Burbank studio and sadly passed several hours later from a torn aorta. John Ritter was only 54 years old. That's so sad. Like he's working on a set. I know. He has chest pain and he's dead. I remember it. I, I And I'm going to say, do you remember it? But we joke about this because you're always like, no, I don't. But I remember I when it happened. I don't. I, rem, I, I don't remember like where I was or anything, but I'm, I remember when I found out, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he died. People, some of my friends like checked in with me because they knew I'd be <laughs> devastated because I was such a Three's Company fan. And I didn't watch Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. And they just, after he died, they just called it Eight Simple Rules. Yeah, I never watched that either. But the people who were on the show were, he was their dad. Mm-hmm. Like he was such a, you know, professional and so respected and such a kind man and so loving. And they, you know, Kaylee uh, Kuko, I don't know how to say her last name, but I, she was in um, the the show that came after, the one with the the geeks, the one, Big Bang Theory, right? Wasn't she in Big Bang Theory? I don't oh know. Yeah, we didn't watch that either. But anyway, she was in Eight Simple Rules, and he was always really protective of her. And he, she always she talks about that he was like another dad. But it was um, shocking, devastating, and the truth is, things like that happen all the time, Todd. I know. It just doesn't happen with our these the beloved characters all yeah. the time. But he was fifty four. I am fifty one. I know. Um, Maybe we should save this next part for a Zen Parenting Radio podcast, but I'm just going to tear through the eight simple rules because I looked them up. uh Uh-oh. You ready? I'm ready. Because what was the deal on that show? It was him and his daughter, Uh and and they named the show Eight Simple Rules for For Dating dating My my Teenage teenage daughter. Daughter. Use your hands on my daughter and you'll lose them after. Ooh. Oh, yikes. Starting out with a bang. (laughs) Number two, you make her cry, I make you cry. Okay. Yikes. Number three, safe sex is a myth. Anything you try will be hazardous to your health. Okay. Number four, bring her home late. There's no next date. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I should write. Well, a blog first of all, this. this is 2003. 
is a different time. Yeah. And and it's not that I'm not in I'm not uh supportive of these rules because obviously your daughter, we have to empower our girls yes. and not decide that we're gonna beat up everybody who dates our girls. Yes. Todd and I are raising three daughters, so you know, obviously this hits close to home. Um, but at the same time, on TV, these kind of ideas are not only a basis of comedy, but they become endearing to people because they're like, look how much the dad loves his daughter. Yeah, right. But in 2023, we're kind of like, come on. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Um, number five, if you pull into my driveway and honk, you better be dropping off a package because you're sure not picking up, picking anything up. So I guess that means... I come, think we got the gist. Come of, to the door. Yeah. Uh, number six, no complaining while you're waiting for her. If you're bored, change my oil. Okay. Yikes. Number seven, if your pants hang off your hips, I'll gladly secure them with a staple gun. Okay. And then lastly, dates must be in crowded public places. You want romance? Read a book. Yeah. I don't know how they incorporated those into the show. A lot of the same stuff. I think if that is probably the, the foundation of the show where all the comedy came from, right? Um, I just want to say, I don't know who Jay Warren Welch is, but I I copied this quote and pasted it okay. um, in my kind of one of my Google Docs, mm-hmm. and I love it. Rules for dating my daughter. And I think I've shared this on the podcast. Okay. You'll have to ask them what their rules are. <laughs> I'm not raising my little girls to be the kind of women who need their daddy to act like a creepy, possessive badass in order for them to be treated with respect. You will respect them, and if you don't, I promise they won't need my help putting you back in your place. Good luck. Good luck, pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's, that's our time. I'll take that rule over the eight simple rules for dating my yeah. daughter. Okay. It's comedy. So just a few more things um, sure. about, you know, our friend John Ritter is that he um, got an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe for this role of Jack Tripper. Um, and obviously he went on to Three's a Crowd, which I'm sure we'll talk about at the end here. He was in a bunch of movies, Problem Child, uh, Sling Blade, as you said, Bad Santa. He <laughs> and... Billy Bob Thornton were buddies um, because Bad Santa was Billy Bob Thornton too. And obviously he put him in his movie. Not quite where I am right now, but I like it. Come and knock um, on our door. All right, go ahead. So Don Knotts uh, called uh, John Ritter the greatest physical comedian on the planet. Jeez. So that's Mr. Furley saying that about him. <sighs> and then his final roles were in Clifford the Big Red Dog, um, and he got a bunch of Emmy nominations for that role. And then he was on Eight Simple Rules, as we already went over. And when he died, he died of an aortic dissection. Um, He was taken to the hospital. As you said, they thought he had a heart attack. And so they treated him accordingly. And really, he had had this aortic dissection. And I think he could have, if they would have known that's what happened, they they could have saved him. They sued his wife, Amy Yasbeck, who um, she ended up suing because if they, I guess a year prior, he had had a body scan and they totally missed it. It Mm. should have been something they saw. And then when they brought him in, they treated him for a heart attack and not for what he really had. No judgment. Like if I was his wife, I would probably have done the same thing. And my heart goes out to any doctors that are trying to help their patients. Like they're not not allowed to make mistakes. And if they do, they pay dearly. No, it's part. I mean, honestly, they're not Todd. Like you, uh, you know, and, and we're all human and things can get missed. But if it's something obvious, like I think if you get a test, to see how your heart's doing. And they're like, it's fine, but yeah. it should have been seen. It, yeah. It's rough. I, I, I'm not in the medical profession, at least not in that way. So Anything um, else on John Ritter, babe? No, I think that's good for John All Ritter. Right, let's go over to Joyce DeWitt. All right. This is what I know about Joyce DeWitt. Okay. She was in 171 episodes. Okay. 
I, I think a, she was in out of 173. I was gonna say she was in all of them except like one or two. Um, she did not like fame. She was a stage actress, mm-hmm. I believe. Theater. Um, she made up with Suzanne Summers, I think, on Suzanne Summers' talk show. Yes, I saw a, a clip of that. Uh-huh. Uh Her character ran a flower shop, uh-huh. and um, she was a stable force on the show. I guess she was always watering the plants. That's all I got. She was a theater actress. I remember she was a dancer. That's why she did the um, commercials for legs for the, um, you know, the nylons. Legs. Eggs. Eggs. Um, So, yeah. I mean, and this was Joyce DeWitt's thing. I mean, this is what she'll always be known for. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on Janet or Joyce DeWitt? I don't think so. Uh, Suzanne Summers. Mm-hmm. We talked to we talked a little bit about her contract thing. Uh-huh. Um, I did read somewhere that she grew up in a. Um, her dad was a emotionally, physically abusive alcoholic. Wow. Terrible. Terrible. Sorry, Suzanne Summers. Is she still alive? Oh, absolutely. What's she so doing So Suzanne nowadays? Summers is like known for being like, she was doing alternative medicine and vitamins oh, way before yeah, it was a thing. Oh, that's right. I forgot so about that. So she is one of those people who like, I remember watching an interview with her and she takes literally like 30 vitamins a day. Like she has a whole natural approach to everything. I actually think she was diagnosed with, I don't want to say this without being right, but I think she was diagnosed with cancer and did alternative treatment. Hmm. And obviously in our world, um, she gets a lot of crap for that because, you know, this kind of lends itself to people choosing alternative treatments or maybe not vaccinating and all that kind of stuff. And it can not work for them, right. you know? Um, and so it, she has, I think, but I don't want to say that without knowing that for sure. She's 76 years old. Oh, it says in 2001, Summers, was she was actually working in Vegas, she went to get her mammogram and then found out that she had a tumor. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And what did she take for cancer? She denied radiation um, and also, no, no. She did undergo radiation, but declined chemotherapy. Hmm. She opted for some ex- mistletoe extract from Europe. Um, hey, man, that's what I go for. It says, while some studies have indicated that this treatment can lead to survival, it also lacks the FDA approval. So she just did different things. And here's the thing. Like, you know, she's still here. So I don't have a comment as far as her personally choosing that. The problem is, is she is a wealthy woman who can get a lot, who can have people take care of her in a way that your average person can't probably have access to that mistletoe and also can't have it prescribed in such a way where they, it really helps them. Yeah. So what we always have to remember, <laughs> we're doing like a PSA here, public service announcement, is when famous rich people say, I'm doing this to stay well, they have people helping them yeah. with that. And if you're trying to do that by yourself, um, you're probably not going to get the same results. Right. So that's just a, that's my PSA. Um, Suzanne Summers, she was known for, aside from Three's Company, any other things that come to you? I have it here on her IMDb. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me hear. Um, Serial Mom, 1994. Okay. She's the sheriff from 1987 to 89. Oh, I don't know any of and this. Finally, Step by Step. Yeah, Step by Step. Who was in that? Who was that with her? Um, I, I can see, I want to say Jason Bateman again, <laughs> but that's not right. Let me, let me think. Okay. I remember it's... Basically, she marries this guy. It's like a Brady Munch thing. It's, it's stepchildren. Um, there is a guy in it that's famous. You want me to give it away? Yeah, with the tell hint? me. Dallas? Yeah. She marries Bobby. 
Um, but yeah, she's been, she co-starred with, with Patrick, Patrick Duffy. Right, Patrick Duffy's in it, but the kids oh, are I, what I'm thinking about. Who I are the kids? Um, you, are you telling me we're going to know who these kids are? Well, I I thought there was like a famous teen. Oh, well, I'll kid. tell you in a second. Okay, Let's and see. I, maybe I'm wrong. Let me see videos, photos, top cast: Patrick Duffy, Brandon Call, Stacy no. Keenan, Angela Watson. Oh, Stacy Keenan was kind of big. I think she was in. Um, was she in My Two Dads? Yeah, I've never heard any of these people. Okay, so okay, so I'm wrong about that. Let's just mark that. Sweetie's wrong <laughs> with something in pop culturing. All right, so next on the list is um, one of my favorites on the show. Stanley Roper? No, Larry. Larry. So Larry... Pop, pop quiz, what's Larry's last name? Um, Larry's Richard Klein, but yeah. I have it in front of me, so I'm what's, cheating. What's his last name in the show? Larry. Oh, Larry, gosh. I don't think they ever told us. What is it? Larry Dallas. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, Larry is just a... So he is Jack's best friend. He also lives in the building. When Jack, we haven't even mentioned the Regal Beagle. Is Hello, he, is he a used car salesman? Yes, and, and thus his personality, right? That's how he yeah. acts. And yeah, he's a little shady. He's a little, yeah, he's a little slippery. He mm-hmm. he's not always telling the truth. He also is after women. So Jack and Larry hang out a lot at the Regal Beagle. Okay, this is so <laughs> Sweetie, funny. Please refer to it as the Beagle. The Beagle. So let me say this: When my girlfriends and I, when I moved to Chicago with Jess and Laura and Megan. We lived on Belmont and Broadway, and we lived in this three flat or whatever. And we always wanted a Regal Beagle. (laughs) Like, we're like these people in a building who can like go down to the bar and like see each other. They're going to the Beagle. And and actually, the second year we were living there, there was a bar that opened up like two doors down. Because I know for those of you living in Chicago right now, Belmont and Broadway is hopping now. It was not when I was living there. Not so much. It was, yes, we were by the lake, but there was, we had to walk really far to like get to any food and stuff. So, um, so you had beagle envy. We had beagle envy. Big time. Because who doesn't have Beagle Envy? Um, Did you ever watch Allie McBeal? No. Like in Allie McBeal, total 90s show, they would, they all worked at this law firm. And then there was this bar that everyone would always meet at. So no matter what happened during the day, you'd go to the bar and people would like karaoke and sing. And it was like, why don't we have that? Or Friends, the coffee shop. Like these are fictional shows. And so I do understand the answer. But who doesn't want a beagle? Thing about friends in the coffee shop is, I think those couches would have been taken a lot more often. I know. But well, there's always... a there's a few episodes oh, where right. they allude to that. That's true. Speaking of, let's just do this transition since we brought up friends. Okay. So one of the things, as far as people who are younger than us who are listening to this, going, what is Three's Company? Um, we in Friends because Friends, the people in Friends are our age. Like you know, we were watching that when we were. In the 90s, we were their age, right? So they referenced Three's Company a ton in the show. And I happened to give Todd three different clips so you could just play them. Oh, looks like she didn't leave in such a hurry after all. Oh, I think this is the episode of Three's Company where there's some kind of misunderstanding. (laughs) And I've already seen this one. (laughs) Phoebe, she's funny. Uh, Clip two. Yeah. Oh, this is so exciting. Come and knock on our door. <laughs> Sweetie, why is she singing that? Because she thinks that Chandler, she knows Chandler's moving in. This is, that's Rachel. And she thinks, and because Monica and Chandler want to live together, she doesn't understand that she has to move out. So she thinks the three of them are going to live together. And then last but not least, here is Chandler talking to Ross. He's late for a dinner. Dinner because he was just hooking up with someone. I'm not sorry I'm late. How incredible was my afternoon with Jade? 
Well, pretty incredible, according to the message she left for you on my machine. Hey, Chandler, why is this woman leaving a message for you on my machine? Oh, see, I had to tell her that my number was your number because I couldn't tell her that my number was my number because she thinks that my number is Bob's number. <laughs> hey, tell me again, what do I do when Mr. Roper calls? <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's yes. it. So, I mean, that's that's our generation, right? They're like they three's company. Like we, it's it's in us. Yeah, <laughs> we and, it's and in the fabric of our Gen <laughs> X ish. Yeah, we just every misunderstandings and and the fact that they would have one every episode, like you know, not that we ever like do something different because we expected the structure, but it was never not a misunderstanding. Right. You know, there was always something. All right. So we're you gonna- were on Larry. Um, so yeah, Larry and uh, Larry, did he want to get it on with Lana? He loved Lana. Right. Lana loved Jack. Mr. No, no, no. Mr. Furley loved, loved Lana. Lana. And Larry just loved any Yeah, he just loved women. That movie. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, Larry used car salesman, just kind of around, kind of annoying, but some comedic breaks, I guess. Well, I mean, Jack's best friend, he was like part of the, he was often part of the misunderstandings. He would often make mistakes, um, say something that he shouldn't have, you know, he, he was just a big plot point. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're on to Mr. Furley. Okay. Mr. Furley, Don Knotts. Um, I never watched Andy Griffith's show. Did you? Mm -hmm. In passing. Reruns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was always on before the Cubs game. So I think I used to watch it before the Cubbies. Um, I loved Mr. Furley. Did you? I did. He was hilarious. He had the he had a crazy outfits. He did. He had the scarves around his neck. He was a little warmer than the Mr. Roper character. Oh, yeah. You know, Mr. Roper could be funny and silly or whatever, but for the most part, Mr. Furley was warmer and was more like a scared, you know, um, character. Like yeah. he was just a really insecure man. Yeah. Um, so that is Mr. Furley. And then we have Terry. What is your two cents on Terry? What about Cindy? You skipped Uh, over Cindy. Well, we're going from most popular to least. So Terry, I loved the Terry episodes. I had no problem um, being, I had no problem with the Terry, like moving in thing. I I was very accepting of it when I was watching the show. I liked her. Um, She was like another blonde, but she was very smart. Mm -hmm. And so whereas Cindy, They went the other way. They they tried to emulate Christmas snow with Cindy. And it just didn't work. She just wasn't that good of an actress. Well, yeah, she was She was annoying. I, I think Jenny Lee Harrison was her name. She was like, or Jenny Lee Harris. I wrote it down somewhere. But anyway. Jenny Lee Harrison. Harrison. She was kind She was in 80s TV a lot. Like yeah. she would, you know, be walk-ons. Yep. She'd be a walk-on on show. So I just didn't, I just didn't like it. It just wasn't funny. And like you said, she was just doing an imitation right. of, of Chrissy. We just so wanted Chrissy back. We just wanted Chrissy. So once Chrissy was gone, Terry came in. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I, that episode, the episode, which I happened to see in Galena a couple weeks ago again, was where Jack needs to get a shot at the doctor's office. And Terry is a nurse. And she kind of tricks him into getting the shot. He doesn't want it. She's kind of strict about it. And then in that process, Janet comes to pick up Jack. She meets Terry, invites Terry to live with them. And Jack's like, I don't want to live with her because she gave me the shot. Right. You know. So then the whole episode is about him trying to convince her to not move in with them, like doing mean things to her. Right. And eventually she like figures it out and it's sad. She's like, okay, 
I won't move in. She's yeah, like, I'll like, leave. What show am I watching? Yeah, I thought it was, well, I thought it was, it was supposed to laugh and all of a sudden. But then, of course, to Jack's character, he feels awful yeah. once she says she's not going to move in and then they become buddies and then it's never spoken of again. Um, quick thing on Ralph Furley, just uh-huh. a quick clip. She's really rusty. Well. He's, to, he's out to dinner with Janet for some reason. Okay. Not sure why. Lucky for you, I'm here. Mr. Furley, you speak French? <laughs> Do I speak French? <laughs> Isn't French the language of love? Garçon? Oh, oui, monsieur. <laughs> A votre service, monsieur. Huh? <laughs> you wish to order? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we'll start out with these uh, escargots. <laughs> That's all you need to know. RF, he was the, I, I loved RF. He was good. Yes. Um, anything else on Ralph Furley, sweetie? Nah, I feel like we... Uh, we talked about Terry. Now let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Roper. Eh, didn't we? Um, we did a little bit. I did find one clip. Let me see if I can find it. Um, where is it? I think it's right. While you're looking for it, yeah. I mean, the Ropers were, at the time, it, for, it's maybe hard to believe, but they were fan favorites. Yeah. Um, everybody loved the Ropers, and they so much so they got a spinoff called yeah. the Ropers. But they didn't. they wanted to come back if it didn't work out. And what I read was they kept the show on just long enough so they didn't they have to get him back. back on. Wow. Um, but here's a little clip from the Ropers. Permission before they throw parties like that. Oh, come on, Stanley. It was just a little party, a going away party for one of the girls. If you'd go away, I'd give a party. <laughs> you know, it's a shame you don't live in India. You'd be sacred there. Ooh. Ouch. Contented. <laughs> All right, which one of us is going to go up and complain? Well, I think it should be the head of the house. Right. I'll go as soon as my nails are dry. <laughs> me move in. Good old. Sweetie, I got something to tell you that is really hard for me to swallow right now. What is it? Helen Roper was 38 years old. Holy crap. No, wait. No, wait. When she married. Oh. Okay, wait, I got scared. Yeah. This is like Golden Girls that they're 52. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see, what? First of all, her name was Audra Lindley. Audra That's Mrs. Lindley. Mrs. Roper. How, what, let's see. Let me see if I can pull her up. How old is Audra Lindley? So, okay. So she's born in 1918. Okay. So that means 28, 30, 40, 58, 68. So she was already 60 some odd years old. So. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I got really scared because there it's confusing. I put into Google, you know, how old was she? But they keep telling me when she died and then when they got married. And that's not what I'm looking for. Yes. Um, yeah, so she was in her 60s. Okay, thank goodness. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, we talked a little bit about Cindy, who cares? And then we talked a little about Lana. Lana really loved Jack. Yeah, Lana. And you know, it's funny, once they got to the end, you know, it was time for them to end. Lana was only in 13 episodes. Yeah, it, she was like... At I the thought she end. was in it more. No. And and she wasn't in every episode, by the way. Like, they'd bring her in for... Yeah, she'd show up and yeah, then she'd Yeah, and then she'd leave. So when they got near the end, it was time for them to be done. And as you said, there was some discomfort because they offered um, J- uh, Jack... Or excuse me, John Ritter, the spinoff, which is Three's a Crowd... And it wasn't great with, um, you know, I watched that documentary a long time ago with, um, there was a, an 
a documentary done about the end of Three's Company or about the whole Three's Company experience. And it was kept a secret from Joyce DeWitt and from Priscilla Barnes um, that John Ritter was going to get this spinoff. And Joyce DeWitt walked into the rehearsals Ooh, of Three's a Crowd. Ouch. At least that's what I understand. Ouch. So if we didn't say this already, and we should have, Jack was a um, chef. And that was a big plot point always that he was either making dinner for people or, you know, whatever. He was yeah. trying to become a famous chef. And he finally, at the end of the series, had an opportunity to have his own restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he named it Jack's Bistro. Yeah, et cetera, they really et struggled with what to name it. Yes, they, they certainly did. And so, and he ends up falling in love with a woman named Vicky. And the whole plot of Three's a Crowd is. He loves Vicky, but Vicky's dad doesn't like Jack. No. And that was the the humor. And basically, they just carried on the farce and the misunderstandings and everything. And that show did not do well. I did watch it. <laughs> I so can't be I. honest. So did I. Yeah, because, you know, it's Jack. But I think what's sad or hard is that it kind of ended on a sour note for the other actresses. Mm, that is a bummer. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, not only did they not get as paid as much as him, but then he got propped up and, they, yep. you know, it just, it was hard. But it was a different time. Um, and I know for sure that they had all reconciled way before John Ritter died. There wasn't any, um, you know, everybody made up. Yes. Oh, good. yeah. I know that Joyce DeWitt had, it was still in connection, you know, connected to him. And, um, I'm not saying they were besties, but there was no like, oh, we haven't talked forever yeah. kind of thing. Um, are you ready for my trivia? Let's hear or it. Or is there anything else that no, you want to do? Um, yeah. In no particular order. In the show's opening scene, beginning with the sixth season, uh-huh. you know, like the theme song uh-huh. scenes, a toddler walks up to Joyce DeWitt as she's feeding a goat. Uh-huh. Any idea who that might be? Let's see. Was it Jason Ritter? It was oh, Jason Ritter. Oh, yay. Good. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, the spinoff series, Three's a Crowd, was planned at the start of the final season. The producers tried to keep it a secret. I already told you guys yeah. about that. At the end of the second episode, first first season, Jack says, good night, John boy. Any idea why he might say that? Well, you know, I have a soft spot for that. Uh, you do, but that's not why. Oh, it's not? Well, I mean, the reason you have a soft spot for John Boy is because that's what your well, mom no, used to say to my dad, to your but dad. he got it from the Walt. She yes, got it from the Waltons. That's right. And he was on the Waltons. That's right. Jack yes. Ritter was on, or John Ritter was on the Waltons. That's right. So the, just like putting that together. So, so. Jack, the character, said goodnight, John Boy yes. on Three's Company. Yes. And then just to, you know, so John Ritter used to be on the Waltons, and then my mom used to call my dad John Boy. And she, so anyway, that's the connection. Joyce DeWitt refused ever to be shown bare legged and always wore pantyhose ah, when her well, legs were visible. There you go. Her commitment to hosiery earned her an endorsement deal with legs. Yeah. All right. Good job. La eggs. La eggs. Uh, Audra, Lindley, and Norman Fell left after the show after the third season for a spinoff about their characters. They were promised by the ABC Network. All right, we already talked about that one. Uh, They were permanently replaced by Don Knotts, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Although Jenna Lee Lee Harrison, that was Cindy, was well-liked by her coworkers, her inexperience and a drop in ratings led them to fire her. Bye, Cindy. See you, Cindy. Um, During Summer's Clash with producers at the start of the fifth season... The cast had to be given scripts with Chrissy, which were were blue sheets of paper, and without Chrissy, which were pink sheets of paper. Wow. So they didn't know which one they were going to get. Um, I'm going to start reading from my computer because there is a problem with the way I'm reading it. Susan Lanier, who played Chrissy on the second unaired pilot, is seen on the show's ending for the first several seasons alongside of Jack and Janet, where the three are tossing bread 
to seagulls at the beach. Oh, yeah. So that's not Suzanne Summers. Oh. That's Susan Lanier. Interesting. Why did they replace her? Uh, I don't know. Well, gosh, that scene, like, when the show ended, so uh, for everybody that, uh, this is such an 80s thing, when a show would end, there would be credits mm-hmm. at the end, and you would watch them. Yeah, and we would so watch credits. We would watch the credits at the end, and that scene that you just described mm-hmm. is so soothing to me, and I can feel my childhood. Yeah. I, like, know exactly the scene you're talking about when they're throwing bread in the water. Like, I can No, they're ju- throwing bread in the in air. In the air, yeah. yeah. But aren't they by the water? Yeah, they're by the water. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they're at the beach. So it's like a... It's it just brings back a visceral feeling. Um, and if you had asked me yesterday where the show is supposed to take place, I would have told you Santa Monica. for certain it was San Diego, and it's Santa Monica. Yeah, Santa Monica. I don't know they why talk about I, Santa Monica all I the had time. no idea why it was why I thought it was San Diego. And I remember episodes where like Chrissy goes to Big Sur, like the, it's mm-hmm. just very California. Lucille Ball was a big fan of the show. She hosted a retrospective, the mm-hmm. Best of Three's Company, in the fifth season in 1982. This is the only show she has done this for. All right. That does that doesn't surprise me at all. I think that the physical comedy and Lucille Ball and just the way she did her show, it's it's they probably owe a lot to her. Uh, Chrissy's full name is Christmas. Christmas Noel <laughs> Snow. Um, Suzanne Summers is referred to the day she got fired from Three's Company as the day my career ended. Mm. Uh, Kathy Bates auditioned for the role of Janet Wood. Ah. When Jack opens his restaurant, Larry brings his Greek family there for dinner. It's later revealed that Larry's la- real last name is Daliapoulos. Mm. He changed it to Dallas because it was e- easier to spell. I think some of these trivias are made up, <laughs> by the way. Is it Wikipedia? Uh, it's either IMDb or Wikipedia. It's very good. You know, people can put stuff in there. Janet and Chrissy had another roommate named Eleanor before Jack mm-hmm. moved in. Eleanor was per- portrayed by Marianne Black, who made only one appearance appearance in season three, mm-hmm. episode episode Eleanor's Return. She comes back and wants to move back in with them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman Fell and Audra Lindley made appearance on Three's Company in the Night of the Ropers episode. This is the only time Norman Fell, Audra Lindley, Audra Lindley and Don Knotts all appeared on the show together. Huh, I, don't I don't remember, remember that. that one. Mm-mm. So is RF Mr. and Mrs. Roper in the same show? I guess. Cue it up, man. I want to see that yeah, bad boy. I don't remember that. Um, Blah, blah, blah. That's a dumb one. Uh, after not speaking to each other for 30 years after Summer's firing, Joyce DeWitt and Suzanne Summers reunited for a YouTube video content event hosted by Cafe Mom. When discussing Summer's firing, both actors put much of the blame on the sexism of Mickey Ross and other show producers. Mm-hmm. They could not appreciate the feminine contribution, DeWitt said. Pigs, Suzanne Summers said later in the interview. Um, anyways. So they're basically reiterating what we said, right. which is like, it was a time when men were in charge of everything and yep. they kind of still are. Um, and hopefully not as much. Yeah. But there wasn't an appreciation. There was like, we can, re- we can replace them. They, they didn't understand. And you know, Todd, the whole like women aren't funny thing. Yep. That didn't, I mean, I feel like all that started shifting in the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler yeah. time, and this was way, that was way before right. that. So people didn't give women props for being funny. Yeah. Um, many times, we haven't talked about when Mr. Roper would look at the camera. Yeah, that was jokes. funny. Yeah, he would look at the that. camera. He, and he would be very dry, like he would just turn his head and smile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joyce DeWitt was the first cast member to miss an episode when she staged a sick out for the season three episode, Stanley's Hotline. ABC tried to take back a raise that was promised to her. Jeez. And DeWitt called in sick saying she was sick at heart and sick in the soul. 
She had a meeting with the network president who reinstated her raise, but when she tried to return to work, the casting crew were already working with a reworked script and there was not enough time to change it back, so she missed. She had to sit that episode out. Yikes. Gosh. Uh, both Chrissy and Mr. Furley had a trademark snort. Yeah, I yep. remember. Mm-hmm. This has got to be a lie. Okay, let's hear it. Jack Tripper served in the U.S. Navy? Did no, he? Yeah, was that was part of his he character. A hook it, yes, in the it Navy? was part of that was a whole part of his thing and part of the reason he, he was living at the YMCA. Was he? Yeah. That was like the whole gist of the show is why he had nowhere to live. He lived at the YMCA. Um, hold on, I gotta do this real quick. He was a cook in the Navy. I'm gonna I'm gonna have dreams about this song too. Come and knock on our door. All right, back to business. Why are you playing that again? Because I just want to play it. <laughs> okay. Um, trivia. What what was Chrissy's father's occupation? Uh, it's so funny. I was going to say, do you remember Chrissy's father was always in it? Um, God, I don't remember. He was a Methodist minister. He was a minister. Yes, he was. I was going to say a preacher, but yes, that was a big part of her character. He would come on occasionally, remember? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Initially, Mickey Ross and the producers asked Ritter, DeWitt, and Summers to sing the theme song. All three of them flat out rejected this request. This is ironic since... Summers herself became a noted Las Vegas singer. Yeah, she did. See, I read somewhere else that they actually did sing it, and it was bad, so then they hired professional singers. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Ralph Furley's brother, Bart, is mentioned many times throughout the series, but he's only seen in one episode. Yeah, I remember. Uh, The pilot took place in a triplex ed apartment area in North Highland called Hacienda Palms, but the main series was in Santa Monica, where you touched on So the stages were always like in their apartment. That was a stage. Yep. And then there was a stage outside the door downstairs. Yep. So like in front of the landlord apartment. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, and then the Regal Beagle was yep. a stage, but that was really it. Uh, Audra Lindley, that was Mrs. Roper. She was the first cast member to die in 1997. She was born in 1918. She was the oldest cast member. She 79. was followed 14 months later by her on screen husband, Norman Fell. She was five and a half years older than he was. Interesting. Don Knott was just four months younger than Norman Fell, but died a little over seven years later. So okay. Don Knott's had a longer run. Okay. And John Ritter had the shortest longevity by far. Mm-hmm. Just six, di- six days uh, shy of turning 55. Jeez. Um, and ca- I, um, are we done? Are you bored? I'm kind of bored. Oh, okay. Unless you've got a really good one. You're just kind of reading randoms. No, 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 no. That's it. That's fine. That's good enough. Sometimes good enough is good enough. Sometimes good enough is good enough. And I think that, you know, the bottom line of this show is that it was, uh, you know, people say this all the time, but it was like, um, not foundation breaking. What's the word I'm looking for? Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. (laughs) It was groundbreaking because it allowed, like, once you accept a show like this on TV, the doors are wide open, right? You can, there's a difference. You can talk about sexuality. You can have innuendo. You can allude to things. And and as we said before, the women dressed, I wouldn't say provocatively or anything. It wasn't like totally overt, but you know, they low cut stuff. Yeah. Especially Suzanne Summers. Yeah. That was the whole, that was all just, so it was, um, for me, um, I just, I have a soft spot for the show and it's, it's easy. Do you know if we, uh, I can only think of one other pop culture where we talked about a TV series. We talked about sex in the city. That's the only one I can come yeah. up with. We talked about miniseries and yeah. like stranger things and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, maybe we'll do another one on like the Brady Bunch or something. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know what? 
I struggle like, with... Why did we choose Three's Company out of all the good shows? You did. You were yeah. like, let's do this. And well, I'm all in. My idea was to literally play a show and we would pause it and talk about <laughs> the ridiculousness of it. Okay, so... But that may have been really boring. I think it's the same reason I don't want to do Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that it's boring to me because everybody talks about these shows all the time. Mm. And so I feel like the trivia is known, the discussion has been had... And like the Brady Bunch is that to me. Yeah. Like, what are we, you know, what are we going to talk about? Whether Oliver was a good addition or not? Yes. Like we, the answer is yes. Like, it's just to me, I, it's got nothing to do with whether or not I like it. It's just, it's been done. Yeah. And I just like to do movies and shows where it's like, let's discuss something that hasn't been discussed. Well, there's a guy out there doing a podcast every week starting in October of 2022. And he is inviting a guest on to review every single episode of Three's Company. Shut up. Yes. I am so in to that podcast. It's in. It's there. I saw it. Yeah. It's like Three's Company is so ingrained. As I was watching it, you know, a couple weeks ago, I knew what their next line would be. Yeah. Like we, and this was before we streamed or had DVDs or you couldn't, you could only rewatch it in syndication. Right. But they'd replay it so often and it was on so many different channels. I know it was on WGN and I know like you could just, it just is, it's lodged. Oh, I forgot one really important trivia, sweetie. Uh, right, Richard it. Klein, played yeah. by Larry. Larry, was once struck by lightning. Oh boy! Somehow he survived. That was that was important. It was important. We're ending on that note. Um, <laughs> sweetie, let's sing it together. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for We've been you. Waiting for Come and dance on our floor. Take a step that is new. We've a lovable space that needs your face. Three's company too. You'll see that life is a bottle again. Laughter is calling for you. Down at our rendezvous. You didn't sing the whole thing. I know. I don't know all the words. Oh, boy. Um, but we got to close with our theme music. I okay. mean, come on, stop it. All right. All right. See you guys next time. I don't know what we're going to do next. What we do talked we do about next? something last night at dinner, and we were, like, excited, or I was excited. Something else is coming. Todd and I are on a pop culture run, yes. people. Let's we're, go. Let's, let's capitalize. Let's All right. do this. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.